What is up? What is up? What is up, everybody? It's your boo, your bae, your best friend, your doll, Carmine Davis, and you're listening to The Carmine Davis Show. How are you feeling? How's your heart? How are you this week? I've been doing okay. I'm um, all right. I'm all right. Um, thank you for listening to me another week. We're doing so great in numbers. I'm, I'm really happy about this show. Considering especially I've been having writer's block the last couple of nights. The nighttime is usually my writing recording time. And I've just been like played. Because I still do music. Like Normani said, yes, I still do music. <laughs> but um, I've been like played with horrible 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 writer's block and usually to stop writer's block i tend to write and sing about writer's block and why do i i kind of talk my way out of my writer's block if you will i kind of like um sing about why i think my mind is so congested but i haven't been able to get out of it so but anyway what are you doing if you are not following, subscribing, and rating this podcast, make sure you follow, subscribe, rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. And also give us a follow on Twitter, twitter.com slash Carmine Davis or Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis or Instagram.com slash the Carmine Davis show. Um, let's hop into it. First segment is always hot topics. And today... This is a celebratorial moment in the Hot Topics. The Hot Topics, of course, is brought to you by lovebscott.com. Our boo over there. Did you know that Moesha, the Parkers, Girlfriends, One-on-One, Sister, Sister, The Game, and more are coming to Netflix? Seven of our favorite Black TV shows of yesteryear are coming to Netflix. Moesha, um... The Game, One-on-One, The Parkers, Sister, Sister, Half-and-Half, and and Girlfriends are going to be on the streaming service between August and October. To celebrate the news, several stars from each of the shows participated in a cute little announcement video. Um, Listen to it. You can't see it, but listen. Joan, Tony, Maya, and Lynn. Go home, Roger. Are you ready to play some football? Most of the... Eat to the. I am so excited to announce some really incredible, super exciting news. One on one. Half and half. The Parkers. Sister, sister. Moesha. The game. Girlfriend. Is coming to Netflix. It's going down. <laughs> I am beyond humbled and honored at how much the fans continue to ride hard for this show years later and how it's made a huge impact on the culture. These shows changed the face of television as we know it. And it helps with the, for black creators. Both in front and behind the camera. It has provided us with being able to be in the homes of uh, people worldwide. I could use some laughs right about now. A little birdie over at Strong Black Lead told me that you guys have literally be asking for these shows for like years. Years, like in years. Now people all over America can binge watch their favorite shows and relive their favorite moments. 
Like Jones. Surprising William in his new house. And I was dressed up as Spider-Man and I was hanging from his ceiling swinging. Like the one where Brianna and I are wearing the same matching pink outfits that say cutest couple on the butt. All the crazy moments between Dee Dee and Phyllis. The time Freestyle Unity showed up to a clown funeral and performed a very special and unconventional tribute. I'm dancing and emphasizing. I'm dancing and emphasizing. Lynn being on Joan's couch, on Maya's couch, on Tony's couch. When you think it's a king, which I don't approve of, but it happened. Like when Jason and Kelly had Bible study at their house, even though they knew nothing about religion. Or the time when Lisa had her own fashions by Lisa Carter at the mall, where she thought she was out of summer. Ha ha, to to be beat. It's gonna give an opportunity for a whole new generation. That's gonna be watching on Netflix. So thanks to everyone who ever made a social media post or left a message asking about these shows. It didn't go unnoticed. You did it. Thank you, strong black lady. For giving new life a new reimagination to shows like this. Enjoy. And happy binging! Oh, hell yes! That was really cute. Okay, so if you didn't recognize any of those voices, or maybe you've never, for some reason, I don't think you could listen to the show and not be familiar with them. I kind of feel like... I don't know, but maybe you were. That was some of the voices like of Jack A, Harry, um, Valerie Pettiford of um, Half and Half, uh, Tia Mari of Sister, Sister and the Game, Cheryl Lee Ralph from Moesha, Tracy Ellis Ross of Girlfriends, Marcus T. Paul from Moesha, um, Reggie Hayes from Girlfriends, Jenna Van Oy from The Parkers, you know, and Persia White from Girlfriends. It was a few of them. Kobe Bell, which is one of my favorite. He's from The Game. Y'all know who I'm talking about. But I'm excited about it. I'm kind of confused about why um, they're just now coming to Netflix when we have every other fucking show in the whole entire world on Netflix or Hulu. I'm sure it takes a while to like acquire these deals. Um, Strong Black Lead is... Um, kind of a segment or a sector of Netflix and they are bringing the shows to Netflix. Um, I'm sure it probably is from licensing and all that, but if you really think about it, like the CW has so many shows on Netflix. Why is it just now getting it? Maybe they're now just now finally starting to listen to us. So that is awesome. Uh, what do you think? I wonder who's missing that I want to see. I have the dates here, actually. So, Moesha is the first, August the 1st. All of Moesha will come up. The Game, season one through three, is August the 15th. Sister, Sister, September the 1st. Girlfriend, September the 11th. The Parkers, October the 1st. Half and Half, October the 15th. And One on One on October the 15th. Why aren't they all just coming together? Hmm. I want to watch all of them like at one time, but I guess, you know, cause we're about to shut down again. I think we're about to go into a whole nother quarantine and we need something to watch. And I think these will be good. I think this is the perfect timing for them actually, even though I'm a little bit confused as to why we are just now getting them. I guess after everything that Netflix is trying to show us that black lives really 
do matter. But I guess that kind of would be that they'd had to admit that they've could have gotten these shows prior. I don't know what the hell is going on over there. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, the timing is very interesting. I don't know, but I'm not going to read too much into it. I'm going to enjoy um, shows that I think who I would like to see, like, after October. Probably I would love to see, did they say All of Us? Yeah, I want to see All of Us. You remember All of Us with um, Dwayne Martin and um, the Lisa Ray? Um, Elise Neal, the little baby boy, Tony Rock. Y'all remember all of us or am I tripping? I would have loved to see that. I literally can't think about it. I, you know what's so crazy to me though? Like the UPN and the CW and all of those like networks that are bringing back the African-American sitcoms to Netflix. Those plays hosted a lot of like shows that we don't even remember that had longer dates than these shows that had such an impact that were black. Like I'm looking at this list of like the names of the CW that the UPN and, and everybody had at that time. I know four of these. <laughs> like I only know four of these shows. That's one. But they, even the dates of start to finish, these people had years, like four or five seasons. And I have never... What is Mercy Point or the Centennial? Head Over Heels. Oh, oh, another show that I wish they would bring back. Do y'all remember For Your Love? For Your Love. What is that? Um, um, it had our girl Holly Robinson Pete, which I always get her confused with um, Terry from In Vogue. Holly Robinson Pete was in it. I remember the sitcom. I mean, the 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 theme was sung by Shaka Khan. And Michael McDonald. It was a big show. And it got canceled at one point on NBC, right? In the 90s. And then it got picked up at the CW. And it lasted for like four and a half seasons. It was like a good show. Like that was, it was like four couples or something like that. If I remember, if I remember, it was like um, four couples. My mama used to watch it. I was away by that time. And, and I was probably like six or five years old when the show came out or maybe three. Um, depends on who's asking and it had like centered around i'm gonna look up i'm gonna look it up on youtube it had like four couples and they would all have these weird or it was three and they would like counsel each other and try to deal with each other with opposite like dealings with each other like the opposite sex how to keep their man well you know men they need this that and the third and they went on these big tangents of like fantasies of um what it would be like to, it, it was it was really really good it was actually pretty funny from what i remember I was young and I thought it was really, really good. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. There's a few shows, too. I'm trying to think about... MC Light was on that show, too. The Hughleys! The Hughleys? Y'all remember the Hughleys? I would love to see the Hughleys. They need, like, um, we need to get together and do, like, a Disney Plus for African-American, um shows and sitcoms and not even just sitcoms there was a lot of like romance shows or a lot of um, dramas that were like New York Undercover was technically a um, African-American or a color like a people of color related show I'm 
excited about this. I wish they would just bring my only complaint, and I, I don't want to, but if we're going to ask for things, we want it all. I wish they brought more. They probably will. Like, maybe they will probably bring back, like, For Your Love, but they're not, these shows aren't that big, so they'll probably just kind of sneak them in. But support them. Strong Black Lead is such a huge, follow Strong Black Lead on all your socials and keep up with these shows. Let's stream, 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 make these like a huge deal so we can get all those shows that you don't even remember that you want. But like, again, like the CW, UPN and all these places had all these shows, like For Your Love was on for four seasons, but you have all these shows that I never heard of that were on for seven fucking seasons that struggle from what I'm reading, they struggled from the time they were up. Let me see. Like Felicity. Who watched Felicity? <laughs> it's, oh, well, they say that Felicity is, Felicity is one of the best school shows of all time. Get the fuck out of here. I used to see the commercials for Felicity. I never, and I loved a strong white woman lead. <laughs> and I liked Carrie Russell, but there was nothing about... Felicity that made me want to watch. It was on for four seasons. But that's four seasons way too long, I think. Um, what was another show? Hmm, on the on the WB. The WB actually has some really, really good shows. I can't even fuck with them on that. Um The Jamie Foxx show, of course. Um Charmed were really good. Kelly, Kelly, uh, Kirk. I remember that Life with Rob. I used to watch everything on the WB. The Smart Guy, the Steve Harvey Show. Why did they bring the Steve Harvey Show? They need to bring the Steve Harvey Show. One show that I remembered, this is completely unrelated, but Nikki with Nikki Cox. Do y'all remember Nikki Cox? Everybody tries to make it seem like I have, they, they don't know who Nikki Cox was, but she was hot shit in the 90s. Duck, tweet me if you remember Nikki Cox. The Nikki Cox show, Nikki, it was an American sitcom that aired on the WB. I remembered it. It was, I loved it. <laughs> I don't know. It was, she was from, um, it was kind of like, she, she starred in Unhappily Ever After, and then she got her own spinoff. It didn't last long, but I liked Nikki Cox. Anyway, but I'm excited. Well, again, we're going to stream, we're going to support, and hopefully they'll sneak all those good shows that we forgot about, but we need so bad, like all of us and for your love. But any who's up? Let's go on to our second segment, which is our artist spotlight. And this week, guess who it is today? <laughs> we are doing the art like artist spotlight on the one and only case. 90s bad boy case. One of my favorite. 90s singers of all time case if you know me you know my love for the 90s and you know how much i love touch me tease me right 
I'm sorry if the audio is kind of going up and down. It's because I have an interesting audio coming up and I'm trying to literally use my, I don't know if y'all know this, but I have a degree in industry <laughs> and um, audio engineering is one of them. So I am literally playing with the audio right now to give you this excerpt. I'm trying to use these cool new, um, now that I know I can, these audio in, like excerpts. So I want to make sure that it's balanced. So I'm literally playing with it live. <laughs> And seeing what works. But anyway, this week is case. And if you know me, when we're in the club and Touch Me, Tease Me comes on, like, it's over with. That is my shit. You got Foxy and then you got case. Get the fuck out of here. Like, that's my favorite song. But case's life, of course, was a mess. And we're going to get into it today. But first, make sure you follow, subscribe, and like this show and review it on Apple, wherever you are. Let me know. Give me five stars. Give me five stars. If you think it was four, three, two, one, let me know. Let me know. But Case Haley. No, not Case. Ooh. I'll get to that why I said Case Haley in a minute. It involves Mary J. Blige, if you don't know. But Case Woodard was born October the 4th, 1975. And he goes by his Stage name, of course, Case. He's an American singer, songwriter, and record producer, a two-time Grammy Award nominee, and he is best known for his late 1990s hits, including Touch Me, Tease Me, Papa, Keep Me Laced, uh, <laughs> with Foxy Brown and Mary J. Blige, Happily Ever After, The Best Man, a duet with J Genuine, R.L., and Tyrese, which we talked about in my episode, Spotlighting Next. And in his early 2000s, his number one and top five pop hit, Missing You and Living It Up with his the rapper Ja Rule. The later two earned him two Grammy nominations. But of course, he started out um, in an R&B group called Future and a duo called Black. Not to be confused with our girls, Black with a Q. Um, Case got to work co-writing and singing background vocals for artists including Usher, Christopher Williams, and I'll Be Sure. And he also worked with songwriter My Girl Faith Evans. And he was discovered by Russell Simmons, who signed him to Def Jam. So, of course, in between there, there was some mess, as we all know how it goes. Um, he grew up in Brooklyn, played basketball, football, and did all that. But he was raised Jehovah's Witness. So his family was very straight. No, no uh, birthdays, no Christmas, no nothing. So the only time he really got to be a kid was when he went to go school. So instead of actually doing the things that he wanted to do, like, um, or what he needed to be doing, like academics, he chose to use school as a time to play. Because at home was so strict. He was always on punishment, doing anything. So he would sit in his room when he got home and stayed on punishment. And I relate to Case in the way that he always wanted to sing. There was nothing else. He didn't want to be a teacher, a, a journalist, a doctor. He wanted to sing. And music was always in his house because his father was a singer. So he was growing up listening to Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, um, the, the best. And he said that he started singing before he could actually talk. So therefore, they knew he had the bug. And like... I was raised as well. His grandmother used to make them do 
concerts for company. We used to do this all the time growing up. If my cousins are listening to this, listening to this, shout out to y'all. We used to do concerts all the time. We used to do concerts to uh, Destiny's Child album, the, the Writings on the Wall. We used to perform. I always thought I was fucking Beyonce, you know, whatever. But he used to do this with, for his grandma when company used to come over. And he used to steal the spotlight. Case's dad was singing with Cameo, the R&B group Cameo, when they were another group named East Coast. So his mother and his father were dating at that time, and his mother discouraged Case into going to music because he saw how horrible it was for him, his father, when he was recording and traveling around the world. So he discouraged him, but of course, that made Case want to sing more. He and his family moved from Brooklyn to Mount Vernon when he was 16 and 17, and he started seeing like artists like Heavy D, I'll Be Sure, and all these people around at the corner store, the local um, gas stations. And he it was real to him. He was dapping them up. And it was like they were out there doing it. They got out their hood. And they were living fine. He was like, I want to do it too. I want to do it now. So shortly after, around 18, like average African-American kids, his father was like, when you're 18, you got to bounce. He was actually 17. He was like, all right, cool. Don't even worry about it. I'll get out right now. So he got up literally and walked out of the house at 17 years old. He got a job, rented a room in the Bronx, and kind of started hustling. He started with temp jobs. Then he started um, hustling, selling weed. Then he started robbing people. And it kind of gave him a reality check about life. Like, this can't be just what I'm meant to do. So at that time, he started linking between Hustle and he was linking with his friend Brian and they created the group, like I said earlier, Black. They were a duo. They had been working on music for two or three years, but his manager at the time was managing another group that was already signed named Lade. They already got signed. They they were about to shoot a music video. They had everything, but they were missing a member. One of the members quit. So he was like, why don't you and Brian join the group Lade? But the boy passed on it. Brian was like, what can I do? And he was like, y'all, go ahead. And they actually kind of took off for a little bit. They were on tour. They were doing music videos. And he was sitting at home still hustling like, damn, I should have took that chance. But it was all divine because because after that, he years later, he met up with this girl he went to school with named Misa. It was Misa Hilton. And if you don't know anything about, I'm a 90s fanatic and I love the style of black culture of the 90s I no matter what I always gravitate towards it and Misa Hilton is one of those names to me that immediately gives me goosebumps Misa Hilton is one of the style icons who styled Mary J Blige Lil Kim Kamora Lee Simmons like these people she was a huge name Google Misa Hilton and you will see that she was the the air and the lungs of black 90s fashion. He gave his demo to his homegirl, Misa. She started shopping it around and it eventually got to my girl, Fizzy, from the Bricks, Faith Evans, and she wrote a song with him called Don't Be Afraid. He recorded it. Misa was shopping it around and eventually got to Russell Simmons at Def Jam and they signed him on the spot. Fast forward a couple of weeks later, he was in the studio. They were trying to sample the the PSK sample by Schooly D, which is on the Touch Me, Tease Me song. It wasn't going right. They were messing it up, and eventually somebody got it together, 
And they were like, don't mess it up, don't mess it up, don't mess it up. So it was playing. I'm sorry, I got gum in my mouth. I love this story. I love Kay's. So I'm like popping. And if you hear it, forgive me. I know that's not proper podcast etiquette. But I had to pop my gum. I love Kay's. So they were in the studio and they're like, okay, they kept the song on rotation. Usually you stop and like go back and write. But they were like, we can't do it. We can't do it. So they called Mary J. Blige up, who was best friends with Misa at the time. She's like, I'll write it, I'll write it. So she comes in, this sample is playing on a loop, on a loop, on a loop. She writes the song. Case goes in and records it. And they were like, okay, so it's missing something. Meanwhile, this was still playing. They called Foxy. And the rest was history. Touch Me, Tease Me blew up. I think it was on the Nutty Professor soundtrack. And it blew up. But on his first album, he had no creative control. He felt like he was just there and he had so many concepts and ideas about what his album would sound like. And it wasn't that. So the second time around, he was constantly getting compared to Casey and he was told that he should be making music like this. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. And he just didn't feel it. It was, it was driving him crazy. And speaking of Casey, Mary J. Blige was always in that thing. She wrote three or four songs off of his album. They were working really close together. Misa were was a mutual best friend of them both. They were always together, smoking, getting high, chilling, hanging out. And one day he was just like, "What's up?" You know. Eventually, he she's a Capricorn. Case is is a Libra. So he eventually probably had to nut up and talk to him but of course i was with a libra for a long time and they are the fucking worst they were horrible together oh side note did you know she wasn't supposed to be in the touch me teasing video <laughs> her label was like no you cannot be in a video you cannot be in a video you cannot be in a video so of course they were hanging out they were talking and whatever and she was like nah i'm gonna be in this video they were at the music video shoot together. And she's like, no, nah, I'm up in that thing like a true Capricorn. I'm going to do what the fuck I want. And she was in a video. And that made, to me, one of the most iconic 90s R&B music videos of all time. But whatever. So anyway, they were dating. And Mary began, became, you know, Mary J. Blige. And Case became Case. And they both were on separate tours. But her Case's bodyguard was Mary J. Blige's cousin. So he would be on tour drunk off the Henny Road and he would wait till his bodyguard left, who was Mary J. Blige's cousin, and would sneak like three or four girls in. But a true Capricorn fashion. Hello, we always find out. And she did. So she cut him off. But I heard there was abuse. Like I thought I, I remember, I should have pulled it up, but I heard there was abuse. So they moved on and he began work on his second album, Personal Conversations. And he dropped the middleman from his label. He was signed to a production deal for his first label. Then he went directly to Death Jam. So he felt like he was coming into more of his own. So he was able to find songs that he really wanted to record and began to kind of pull the reins in. So he got pitched the song that I feel like is his most famous song in R&B, Happily Ever After. He got pitched a song by Chris Henderson, which was a, it originally was a, a duet 
he it had the basic idea, but he went in, rearranged it, and he was like, I like it. And it was something different than what people were expecting from him after he, listening to Touch Me, Tease Me. And of course, if you know anything about Happily Ever After, the reason why it was such a big song to a lot of R&B girls on Twitter was because our girl Beyonce was in a music video. Looking, mwah, I love, that's my favorite Beyonce. I don't know if y'all know that. Late 90s, early 2000s Beyonce, cornrow, braids, goddess braids, updo Beyonce is my favorite Beyonce. Period. And and Beyonce with the bob during the drunken love. Those are my two favorite Beyonce's. Like, I've been drinking. I've been drinking. Those are my favorite Beyonce's. And what you think about a girl like me? Those are my favorite Beyonce's. But anyway, she was in a music video and that's why it was the most... Famous, but you know she was underage. That's neither here nor there. She, they were all underage. I did a lot of underage things early off in my career because you know I'm just 25. So 10 years ago, I was like 15, 16, you know, doing the things that I was doing. So what else? But but anyway, he chose Beyonce because he didn't want any other the vi- same video girls that were all in the same videos, and it was a mutual interest. Beyonce wanted to be in a music video. She loved the song. Her daddy probably was like, come on, let's go do this, Beyonce. And it all worked out. Wait, wait, actually the story about that is, right, right, I remember. He was in Def Sham. He saw the No, No, No video. He was like, I want that girl. And at that time, it was just, she was the girl in Destiny's Child, this new video. And they found her. They got in touch with Matthew. Right? Matthew, y'all gonna fact check me anyway. I don't give a damn. But I think I remember Matthew was like, she wants to hear the song. At first, she and she liked the song. And so she was like, yeah, I'll do it, you know, or whatever. And that's how it happened. I think that's how it happened. But another one of my favorites from that album was Faded Pictures, the song that he did with Joe. One of my favorite videos. Remember him on the bike with the girl with the plastic hair? Oh, I loved Faded pictures. I still, ooh, yeah. <laughs> Was a photo that she took years ago. It's fading memories. Um, um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but that's what Kay sounds like in all of his songs to me. Ooh, <laughs> anyway. So they recorded Faded Pictures like twice. <laughs> I'm fucking stupid. So they recorded Faded Pictures twice because the first time they said they sounded like they were fucked up because they were. Like they were drunk and they were high and whatever. So he had a point to prove and they kept talking about how he couldn't sing. And he was like, okay, no, 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 no. Now I'm about to go on on a song with Joe. Let's tighten up. Let's re-record it and let me put my vocals to the forefront, which he did. I love Case. I think he can sing, but whatever. But in the process of recording it, they were drunk and they were gambling. Case has a case has a gambling addiction because he doesn't know when to stop. Apparently, Joe is gets down in these streets because he got him for a thousand, five hundred, a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand. Next thing you know, he's taking off his chain. He's like, "No, let's go, let's go, let's go." Joe cleaned him out in the studio. I think this isn't it. What he said on his documentary. So I, f- I think that's interesting because you think Joe's so sweet and innocent, but he's not. After that, he did another um, duet with R.L., Tyrese, 
was it genuine best man i can be he did that which i didn't like that song that's in my personal opinion i liked that I, I loved every man that was on there i thought they were all singers but all of them together i hated that fucking song <sighs> but that song was produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and it was supposed to be like an anthem for the black man. And I love the idea of the song. I love Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I love every man that's on there. I think those are the singers of the 90s, but I hated that song. But whatever. But I think it was, was cool because they all sang it in one room which I think was awesome because people don't do that anymore. I miss those days when everybody would just get together and sing. But I, could you imagine being in a room with Case, Tyrese, Genuine, RL in the 90s? Ugh, child. But obviously there was issues. He said they were pretty all, pretty much all cool, but one was a bitch, and I could just about guess which one is which. But anyway, with that momentum, he got ready to release open letter which opened the doors to him on the pop chart you see what i did there open letter open doors he he dropped i promise i'm not drunk or i'm not high or anything like that i usually am pretty sober during these which is kind of scary but he did missing you which took him crossing over missing you was everything but he hated that song but I loved that song. I love that song. Like right now I could cry listening to this song. He, before recording it, he had to go and he was actually in the studio recording two songs. He was recording Living It Up with Ja Rule and he had caught laryngitis. But they were like, come on in and sing, come on in and sing, come on and sing anyway. Then he tried to go sing Missing You, but his voice was gone. But on that song where he's like, I can't sing no more. I can't sing no more, baby. He really couldn't sing because he was losing his voice. Isn't that cool? But he was singing now. I love that song. But he ended up recording it anyway and during through his laryngitis, and that's the song that we hear now, which he did amazing. That's a testament to his amazing vocalist. And then he released That Girl, right? Or Not Your Friend, which I love that song too. That song hit pretty close to home here in Atlanta. You know, I was hanging with some people that really weren't my friend, you know, trying to fuck with some eye child. So that used to be my little vibe song. But um, they kind of didn't push it. So they didn't push it. They He says they swore they apologized and they're going to push Conversate as the third single because they didn't push the last one. He's like, cool. A month later came. It was on the radio. He didn't hear anything about it. They swore up enough that never happened. And they were like, no, we didn't say that. So he just lost his temper. He went back to the hood on the ass and was like, fuck you, fuck your mama, and I'm done. And left. He had finished his, what was it, the fourth album, Caught the Rose Experience. They were talking about putting out an album, another single, but he couldn't get anybody on the phone. Nobody was answering him directly. They were dragging their feet, and he was like, what's going on? So he just went home, didn't do anything at all. He was like, I'm not taking their calls anymore. I want out of Def Jam. He realized that he lost the love for it and kind of started spiraling. So he was out in a strip club. He was not doing anything. He fell out of love with music and he was just like, fuck it. So later on, like closer to 2009, he was ready to go back to the studio, but horrible things started happening. 
to him and his grandmother passed in May. And then a month later, Michael Jackson, his huge hero died in 2009. And that really had him shaken up. It had me shaken up too. It was so sad. And, but similar again, how that fueled him to fueled me, like Michael passed in, I want to say, when did Michael die? I know it was recent. It was the anniversary was recently in June, June, June 25th. And I also got motivated from that too, after listening to Michael and I released autograph in August of that same year, he went back to the studio and released his own music and it sparked him. The tragedy sparked him to sing again. He eventually released the album that he was supposed to release those couple years ago and went back on tour. And he asked to be released from Def Jam. Then he went to Atlantic. And um, he feels like that's what he should have did a long time ago. He is still touring. He released his last album, Therapy, independently. And he actually is in charge. I don't know if y'all have heard of it. I'm such a 90s R&B like, fanatic, so I actually know this. He did the Marvin Gaye experience. And he is actually doing Marvin Gaye B-sides and telling the stories about them. So that's what Case is doing nowadays. <laughs> that's anticlimactic as hell but I love Case I've always loved me some Case I think he is one of the best R&B male vocalists of the 90s one of the sexiest men in the 90s like he's underrated but in a real ass nigga kind of way you know what I mean like you can tell he don't be really wanting to care about none of that he just want to work and that's what's sexy but yeah child Case I'm about to make a playlist of my favorite Case records and Y'all stream it. If y'all don't know who Case is, just listen to his music. You know, you know, missing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not about to play with y'all. But anyway, let's truck it on to our last segment. I'm hungry. I'm about to eat. So let's truck it on, truck it on, truck it on to our love and relationship segment. One of my favorites. All of these are my favorite segments. I don't know why I do this with y'all every year, but up until then, if you're just tuning in for whatever reason, you just got in a car with your boo and he's listening to me or whatever. Or you just got in the car with your girl. What's up, girl? And you'd be like, who the fuck is this motherfucker? Go ahead and follow me. Subscribe, like, review my podcast. Don't take a person that your man or your woman is listening to me. I do look as good as I sound. So go ahead and smash the follow, like, and subscribe button. And follow me on twitter.com slash Davis. Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis and Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis show. But anyway, the last segment is our love and relationship segment. And this is brought to you by, this is actually one of my favorite. <laughs> I'm sick. I don't, I, every time we do these, I realize how much more disgusting I am. But the topic is 25 ways to experience the best car sex of your life. Brought to you by Cosmopolitan.com. Now I have a few, um, I'm a little bigger, but I believe that I probably wouldn't fuck nobody who couldn't fuck me in their back seat. So I used to do it a lot in college when I was in a dorm room, and then I stopped. I would just have you up in my dorm room. I used to sneak guys in my dorm room all the time. <laughs> and then, you know, now I actually had sex in a car like three days ago or no not three days ago a week ago two ago it was the week of 
my best friend's birthday and I have a house. It's it's erotic. Like I live up in the woods and it was fun. Like I haven't done that in a while. But anyway, the 25 ways to have to experience 25 ways to experience the best car sex of your life. One, position yourself comfortably. Two, wait until the stars come out. I agree. Three, use a blanket to cover up. No. <laughs> no, don't hide that. Divide that. I don't like the cover idea. No, just do it. Get ass naked. Have solo sex. Okay. Not all car sex has to involve a partner. When you want to get away from the world, well, take your favorite sex toy, put your favorite music and or pornography on and take the time to enjoy yourself. I see a lot of people have a lot of sex and or jerking off or masturbating in their car. It's like a common thing on um, like my vidster and porn sites, like dudes jacking off or women touching themselves. I get it. I never have solo sex, I guess, technically in a car. I don't have a car because I'm a terrible driver and I'm a horrible driver. I Uber everywhere. But anyway, five, use innocent looking foreplay positions. Yes. It has to look from afar very innocent, but I kind of don't think anybody, I don't know how you would play this. Um, in other words, don't look like you're doing going down on your partner in case you do get caught. Like no head bobbing. I don't know. I say do it. Get to a place where you can do it. I disagree. Like, just do it. Get it over with. Um, six, please, please do not even try this while the car is moving. Yeah, I don't, I don't see how people can do it when the car is moving. I don't see how you can get and give head while you're driving. I know a lot of people try to do it, but that's uncomfortable as fuck. I don't see how you could, and I mean, the only way you could truly enjoy it is if one of y'all are uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Seven, keep it private. You know, make sure you're in the dark. Okay? Because you could get arrested. It is illegal. Eight, have lots of lube ready to go. Y'all know how I feel about lube. You know, if not, go back to three episodes ago. But have lube available. Nine, wear a skirt or a dress or some shorts or some basketball shorts. Um, sweatpants are my favorite. Slide them things down, hop on that thing so you can just lift that them bitches back up and keep it moving. Ten, don't forget about oral, definitely. You're not you're not sticking unless you're licking. Men, don't don't even think about it. You got a lady, take care of her. Do what you gotta do. Eleven, test drive a new vibe. Pun intended. For a super sexy afternoon, go sex toy shopping and try out your new sex toy on each other before you even go home. Ooh, that's hot. You got to make sure you're ready, though. 12, buckle up. All cars come equipped with the perfect bondage accessory seatbelts. That's true. When, you know, you land on your back on the back seat or have your partner land, tie you up in those seatbelts. I'm not a bondage person, per se. Like, I don't like being tied. I think that's weird. Like, I don't want to be completely tied down. I'd rather, like, a choke or... Like um, a hand grab, like grab my hands or I grab your hands. and But something I could easily break out of. But I can see that. 13, play with the temperature. Um, now have some fun with your boob by blasting the AC for a couple of t minutes. Then sw switch into heat. Ooh. 
or turn on the sweet seat warmer while your air conditioner is running. That's hot. I haven't never thought about that. That's a good one. I usually like the air blowing because it's when it's two guys. Like you know, I I it's been a while since I really had like a skinny nigga in my life. So like, all all the dudes I fuck with are healthy, baby. So we need some air going. But anyway, 14, get your money's worth from the sunroof. Oh, yeah. Um, like, do the sunroof. I'm not going to I'm not gonna give y'all all my game. I'm going to have to write a book, like a sex book or something. But opening the partner, uh, open the sunroof and have your partner sit in the passenger seat. Climb on top, facing them, and stand with your feet on the other side of your hips. Right. Let them treat you to oral. Yes, that's it. That's my secret. Let them fucking get up. Or you get up, turn around, let them eat that thing. <laughs> 15, take your partner for a ride. With your boo in the passenger seat, shift the seat all the way back and recline the seat back. Get into their lap, go into a cowgirl style. Mm. And pro tip, grab onto the headrest for extra leverage. Absolutely. 16, get fast and furious. <laughs> Kneel on the passenger seat facing the back of the car. And depending on how your playmate is, have them either kneel on the seat or the couch behind you for doggy sex. Or on the, oh, I'm sorry. Have them kneel on the seat or crouch behind you for sex. Okay. 17, try lap dance. Here's a hot one to try in the driver's seat. Move the seat back as far as it goes and sit forward on your partner's lap so you're both looking at the front window. Grab onto the steering wheel and use this to help you rock your hips back and forth. Absolutely. 18, take full advantage of those rear view mirrors. Ooh. Yes, like strategically angle the car mirrors so they're directed at, at, at the action. Mm-hmm. So you can see what's going on. I didn't know that was a common thing. I thought that was just something I liked. I like looking like if you're going down, like looking at that person's face in the side, you know what I'm talking about, the side window. Yeah. With the head tilt back. So you don't really have to look up. But... Sometimes that freaks me out because you're supposed to be watching. So that's another test. Like, I'm like, stop looking up, look around. I used to fool around with this person in between uh, my job. <laughs> we used to go, like, in between shifts, and we used to go fool around. He was a perfect, like, lookout person. He was perfect. But anyway, spoon it up. 19, spoon it up. Spoon sex is the most comfortable backseat position. If you can fit, like... True. I, yeah. Uh, last week it was a, we were in a truck, so, so we could do all kind of stuff. But tell your partner to lie on their side across the back seat with you in front of them or on your, or so your back is pressed against them. If the seat is narrow, keep yourself from falling off by embrace, bracing your hand against the seat in front of you. Or get a nigga with a truck. 20. Rock your world. Music amps up the car sex. I've never done it without music, except for one time. And I, it was cool, though. I wouldn't, in the car, it was pretty cool. But I like music. I have to have music going. Turn on some Roddy Rich or some shit. Some, um, the baby, a little baby. We were doing it to little baby the other night. But anyway, 21, take advantage of your vehicle's makeshift sex accessories. Sex accessories. Sex accessories. 
So yeah, the owner's manual stash in your glove compartment doubles as a handy spanker. Ooh, <laughs> I mean, just think about all your proverbials you may have in the car. That's true. But don't knock nothing out of gear, if you know what I'm saying, to you girls who just like to sit on anything. Um, 22, steam things up. Leave the windows rolled up and let them get all steaming. That's true. 23, awake your inner expeditionist. If you're feeling daring, lie down on the hood of the car. We did that. Yeah, cover your bodies with a big blanket. No. Okay, let me read. Cover your tape, cover your bodies with a big blanket or a towel and get into the scissor position. That way, if anyone passes by, it'll look like you're just making out. No. No. Just let that thing out. If they pass by, you're already out there. You're already out there. Just leave. Just leave. Now, 24. 24. Okay, now get really expeditionist. Expeditionistic. If you're positive, you won't get caught. Go all out by trying doggy style sex on the hood. That's right. Stand on the ground, facing the car, bend over with your waist, rest your hands on the hood so your partner can enter from you into you from behind or get into the hood on your hands and knees. Lay down a towel or a blanket in the and first in case the metal is hot. Worst case scenario, do this in the comfort of your own garage. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And 25, add a sexy position. Lie perpendicular on the roof of the car and scoot your booty to the edge so your legs dangle over the side. Encourage your partner to stand in front of you so you can drop your thighs and their shoulders, putting him into a primo position to go down on you. And that was 25. 25 ways to experience the best car sex of your life. I agree. What do you think? Which one was your favorite? Tweet me at Carmine Davis. You can DM me. Most people like to DM me at Carmine Davis or at Carmine Davis show on Instagram. What do you think? Which one was your favorite? I like the sunroof. I thought that was kind of like a me thing, but I like to just get on the hood or like knock down the backseat of the SUV and just go. Because I've, I've, I used to only do it in college, and I just started doing it again like two weeks ago. And um, it's more thrilling when you're an adult and you both have like homes you could do it to, at, but it's not the point. It's the thrill. I live close to the woods. and What else? Let me know which one is your favorite. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and rate this podcast. That's my show. I'm so <laughs> I love doing this. I don't care if y'all like this episode or not. I I enjoy doing this and I'm enjoying y'all. Let me know what y'all think. And again, I hope y'all have a good week. I love y'all. I love you for listening. I hope y'all are okay. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it, y'all. Stay positive. All right. God bless y'all. And I'll see y'all next week.